talk about uh, Ashkashi. Uh, what do you want to start off with, uh, Tom and Charlie? I'll, I'll add it to you. Should we just uh, go from where we usually start at F1? Uh, I agree. Because, okay. uh, once again, track limits. They were uh, there as well, once again. Uh, I believe at the start of the weekend it was turn 1, 4, and 15. And later on, on the Sunday morning, it got changed to turn 1, 4, 14, and 15, if I'm right there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. It was three corners, then it turned into four. Yeah. Uh, honestly, here's the thing. I think track limits are there for like track limits are there for a good reason, and runoffs are there for one reason as well, and that's to like let a car run off in case of trouble and not to abuse like some drivers do, especially Max in this case, who lost a pole position and a fast lap. Yeah, honestly. Uh... At the current state of F1, you know, uh, there's really not a good way to solve this problem with track limits and track limits abuse, you know. All the ideas that I can think about now are extremely crazy, like put walls where the track limits should be. I I saw an idea where they have sensors in the curbs. And when a driver goes over those sensors uh, and abuse track limits, it cuts their boost energy. And not not their IC, ICU energy or ice energy, like their internal combustion one, but it costs the MGUH and the MGUK so they don't get any boost for like three seconds and that's a penalty enough for it. What uh, do you think of that? Honestly, what I'm thinking is the drivers would usually like abuse the track limits to like, you know, also under acceleration so they can accelerate earlier. So I would think it would cut completely, like it would cut completely till they go back on track. Uh, I think the problem with both of these scenarios, like, I especially like the one that Charlie said, but cutting the engine completely until they go on track can be like, even though they're at high speed, it can cause some trouble with maybe restarting it, etc. You know, um, like, even if it cuts yeah. it automatically, it, it, does, it seems like a bad idea, especially slow, like a slow car getting on the racing line in fast corner does not seem like something for a good recipe. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're like a blue flag car who goes out of the track limits to just let bar- let loose and max pass and then you get back on and your car won't start again because it's completely cut off because of the rules. I think that would be a bit too far. But I think the energy, de- messing messing up the energy deployment would be fair enough because that's, like that's 150 horsepower just gone. Exactly, that's what I was thinking. Like, uh, of course, you can change how much energy you deploy. So, I would. I was thinking, what if it just cuts off to like no energy deploying? Like, one day. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would make sense. I think this is, but this could be a more of a safety concern. But personally, what I, uh, what I would love personally to see is make the car more, uh, the car, the track more punishing. Like, if you go off track, it's a gravel. But the problem with that is just financial. Financially, it's not possible to renovate circuits back to with gravel traps and for safety reasons it's very unrealistic to happen uh, like uh, uh, I, well, I was thinking with the walls if a driver like you know something uh, in his car breaks and he has to go off to uh, on a runoff he wouldn't be able to because of the you know walls so that's again unrealistic idea yeah, I think Spa, I think, I'm not sure if it's true, but I think someone said Spa is going back to more gravel traps, and they might be putting a gravel trap at Puan and stuff, so they don't abuse track limits. But, like, you're not going to get that at every circuit, and, like, I like say for a Paul Ricard, you're not going to get a full tra- gravel trap around that whole track. Like, that's going to stay the way it is with the, with the asphalt and the tarmac, but I think more gravel traps would be an idea where you can do it, and circuits that can afford it. But unlike some tracks, it's just not feasible. Uh, another idea that I kind of thought of, which is also unrealistic, if you got a, you know, so, uh, what do you call them? A steward to watch over every driver. But yeah, again, that's kind of, you know, hard like to watch a whole race, like 20 different stewards just to watch one driver each. Uh... I mean, that's more... That's more feasible than putting gravel traps down. It is reasonable, but um, I think the main problem is that uh, you you might the you can do it, but I think you need to think it properly through. Like you have to use uh, different stewards every race, but like you have to mix them up so they don't so you don't have like um, what do you call them? 
where, where you can make like allies with the stewards to make uh, more bias. At every track, at every track, like different twenty, like in every country, different yeah. stewards. No, not even different stewards, but like mix them up per driver. Like once uh, you have like uh, who was. Uh, like uh, Michael Masi, uh, like just an example. But like you have at one race Michael Masi with Hamilton, then the other race uh, Michael Masi with um, Leclerc, for example. Yeah, 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 and, and stuff like uh, you know. But I think the track limits, right, should be defined as the white line, or in some like high speed corners, yeah. the curve. Make it yeah, yeah the curve. If there's like one, personally, I'd say one wheel on the curb, like two wheels on the curb. Is uh, the track limit? Yes, two wheels on the curb would be the track limits on high speed corners. On slow speed corners, there's no reason to be extending that far. I mean, Helmut Marco was giving out about Verstappen losing a win, a pole position, and a fastest lap due to track limits. But like, he got to stick within the rules. The rules are there. He has to stick with them. They're defined as hell. So the yeah, rules right. are rules, and yeah. drivers shouldn't be going over them. Uh, as a racing driver, you want to bend the rules to your like maximum ability. Like, no matter what, if it says you have to have at least one tire on track, you're gonna try your hardest to have one tire on track, even if that's not possible. You'll still try because you want to bend the rules for your advantage. I mean, here's the... I think, I think, even I think... though you can like um, what do you call them? Like, you, if you want to bend the rules, then yeah, you can, but you have to face the consequence as well if you go over them. That's like, and don't uh, complain about them if you um, like overshoot them. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. I think drivers fully know that, and the, when they bend the rules and they break them, and then they face the consequences, they do. Like Lando but, was sad. Lando was sad about his his lap being taken away in Imola, but I didn't see him complain about it. Where I saw complaining about it was the team bosses, and I think team bosses need to learn to. Just accept the rules and not complain about them every week, especially Otmar <coughs> Safnar. Yeah, Otmar uh, uh you know, special. Yeah, but, uh, with, <coughs> like there was a room. I don't know if it's is he still going to like um, file a claim towards the FIA for the uh, for that the fact that their car is shit, even though they copied Mercedes. Um, I think he's gonna do it, but I don't. It's not gonna get anywhere. The rules are the rules, and everyone yeah. accepted them. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, then we had uh, we had uh, another mistake with um, Raikkonen as well, like in the first uh, opening, uh, in like the f- end of the opening lap, where he ran, uh, where he had to like flick a switch on a steering wheel, which he, which he already which he mistaked mis mistook in the final corner. And ran into the back of his teammate. That was a rookie mistake. Yeah, it was. I was very uh, surprised to see it happen. Like he just ran into the back. I was like, "Yo, what are you doing?" Yeah, he's had. He's been in F one in a long time, and F one's always had a lot of buttons on the steering wheel. Even when he first got there, but for him to make a mistake like that, it's just is this very his, bad on him. Is this just for twenty uh, twentieth season? No, even like if you. It is. It is his twenty season. Yeah, but you have to cut away the time when he was in rally, etc. And uh, oh yeah, well yeah, it's just like it's twenty years since his first season, yeah. and then it's his seventeenth season, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have to uh, admire the fact that he's still driving. Uh, he's not. I mean, he lo- let's be honest, he he lost form in some way. Like he isn't what oh, he yeah. was uh, in like the mid two thousands, but he's definitely a very good driver and a very good uh, challenge for Antonio. Yeah, I agree with that, but I just think if you, sh- I, I know a lot of people love Kimi Raikkonen, but I just think he should move on. I think here's the problem. I think Alpha wants to keep Giovinazzi. You know, the Italian. It's nice to have an Italian in Formula One in uh, where like and in an Italian team, and then like, yeah, it's an Italian team, and then like, but then he he probably needs a bit of experience, Raikkonen. Like he has been in F1 for. Two full, se- three full seasons. This is his third full season, I assume. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And well, yeah, then, but he had like he had like one-off races in twenty seventeen. Yeah, exactly. But I think he needs some. He, he's missing some experience, and I think they keep Raikkonen for that as long <clears throat> as they can. I feel like I feel like the reason that Raikkonen's still there is he's teaching a lot to Giovinazzi as well. Yeah, exactly. Like 
he's giving that feedback back and he's he's a reliable driver you know he'll put in the performances he's not what what he was once as you know the world champion in 2007 being out you know who's now a seven-time world champion lewis hamilton and you know of course you have that experience so that's very valuable and especially the media coverage of a driver like that you know longest history in f1 world champion a lot of different things about Kimi Raikkonen, race winner, uh, you know, has that experience, can teach Giovinazzi as well. I think he's very valuable other than just his performances on the track. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that's uh, that's the same reason they that Alpine kind of was attracted to get uh, Fernando back. Like, Esteban Ocon, good, solid driver, not going to lie, talented, uh, very fast, very mature as well, in my opinion. But I think he just lacks the experience uh, like a veteran, Kimi or Alonso. That's why I think one of the reasons why they didn't want to put a rookie as um, Guan Yuzo next to him. Yeah, uh, exactly. yeah, I agree with that. But I think they made the wrong decision. Because look at McLaren. The Norris is clearly leading that team. And he's younger than Ocon. And it's really working out. Norris is top fives from every race so far. So... I think Alvin made a mistake not going with uh, a junior driver. Yeah. Stop being a McLaren fanboy. But if you, if you look <laughs> at it on the on a different side, uh, look at um, AlphaTauri. It's a it's a team that's known to make uh, to like develop young drivers to eventually be successful at Red Bull. Although that hasn't happened in the past few years. Let's face it. But uh, look at for example uh, Gasly and Sonoda. Both a young driver lineup. But it's um, Sonoda. Yeah, has uh, the last two races weren't the best. Like, let's face it, he has he struggled with the car, and that's co- completely okay. He's a rookie; he's uh, allowed to make mistakes as long as he learns from them. Yeah, exactly. I think um, the Imola one was just uh, a long, unfortunate one where he's already fortunate enough to finish because not everyone did there. But. I hope that, uh, personally, I hope that Yuki can find his form back uh, as he had in Bahrain. I think that AlphaTauri is very wind-affected, and Portimao is so windy, because even Gasly was struggling, and we all know how good Gasly is. Yeah, it's... it's yeah. Uh, I was surprised by it as well, but but I was surprised by the Alpine uh, race pace out of nowhere. Alpine, I think Alpine is, effect- is not affected by the wind at all. I think their car is just solid in windy conditions. Yeah. Then, but like, okay. So when is the last time? Like, um, when's the last time we actually had two rookies uh, before like has each other? Like, was that maybe 2015 Toro Rosso back then when we had like two uh, rookies as um, a debut? I like because a full. I think it is Toro Rosso. Yeah, but. I mean, they brought uh, they brought two great drivers with the names of Carlos Sainz and um, Max Verstappen, obviously. One of them is uh, a race winner. The other one is in a Ferrari seat right now, going to the top eventually. Because yeah. I think Carlos is a very solid uh, driver. Yeah. Um, let's see. The, the current the, <coughs> the current double rookie lineup though is a bit. Um, one's good. One's uh, not so good. Ah, uh, is very questionable. Yeah, it's just, the house is the house is questionable, but one driver is more questionable as well. I mean, yeah, I think I don't know what Mazepin was doing, but did he make two stops? I didn't even know this. Like he was one minute behind Mick somehow. I think yeah. he made two stops. He made two stops. He did make two two stops. Yeah, but like it just says about his qualities as uh, a tire manager. But also just in general in pace, because you know he he might have had fresh tires. Eventually, you would think okay, maybe he's gonna make up the gap a bit back, like not fully, of course. I didn't, uh, you wouldn't expect him to overtake, but you know. I remember he was a minute back at one point, and then he closed it to fifty-eight seconds. I saw, but that's the last thing I saw in their gap. Yeah. That's... So yeah, yeah. All while um, all while Schumacher is passing Williams, which yeah. shows how like Williams pace. Yeah, the Williams yeah. was just not it. Like, on quality, George Russell, P11, great result, uh, nearly making it to Q3. Then on a race, you just fall back so far. So far, Like, 
It must be. Yeah, but the feedback, like of course, like uh, Charlie was saying, you know, uh, that uh, you know, the Haas was able to catch them, which is extremely questionable. Knowing it's two rookie drivers, it wasn't able to develop that much. It's an extremely questionable car, and. Uh, yeah, and I think everyone's been saying from testing that Williams is not good in the wind and that Williams is built for certain tracks and not for others. And nobody knows what type of tracks that Williams is built for, but definitely the wind part played effect this weekend because the, it was very windy and changing direction a lot. I mean, if you look logically behind it, like they have a Mercedes engine in the back, I would think oh, they'd be, they'd be, sh- they'd be great at uh, how, like... Uh, less downforce strokes like Spa and Monza, that stuff. Like where straight line speed is I, also a big factor. I feel like Williams, they know they're not. Uh, I heard this somewhere, but Williams know they're not a team that's going to fight for points every race. And I feel like Williams built their car to be better at certain tracks, to get better results at certain tracks. Because if they build their car like they've always been building it, and, you know, for the results every weekend, you know, they haven't gotten points for ages. So trying to switch out that mix for a season until, you know, the regulation changes. They don't have anything to lose here. I think they made their car, like, to score some points at specific races. Yeah, I, I think that I think someone said that they did that as well. And I think that's smart. Like, if they were going... I don't know if they did, but, for example, if they did go for, like, like Rones at a, a low downforce setup... Um, it would be good because they can definitely get points in Spa and Monza, crazy races that can happen there. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally hope for them. Like, um, it, uh, It's sad to see such a historic team as Williams fall back that hard. Like, you don't want it to happen to anyone. Like, even if it's, for example, Mercedes right now, like, you're, right now you want to see them fall down, but eventually you don't want to see such a historic team fall down, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, um, you know... Uh, their lineup is a bit underrated. Like Nicholas Latifi is a bit underrated. Yeah, I feel like people yeah. much because of his team. George Russell's just really good. You know what? This weekend was the first time I've ever seen Latifi get angry on the radio. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy in general. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a lovely guy, and George gets angry on the radio a lot. I think, but that was the first time I've seen Latifi get angry with anyone on track and it was was a Mazepin in qualifying when um Latifi did unintentionally blocked Mazepin on the lap or gave him dirty air and Latifi went for an for his lap and Mazepin just fully just didn't move into turn one blocked his lap which sacrificed his, his chance to get out of Q3 so or Q1 yeah but um I think the problem with um, Maspen is, is he is in a sh- he's in a shitbox car, and to drive as a rookie in a shitbox car is just not gonna help you on the radar. Like even like Mick Schumacher can do it, but Maspen just you know, it just drama. Like even in uh, practice sessions, you see him lock lock up everywhere, um, abuse the tires and all that stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Car is not. Yeah, but Mas- the car the car is a joke. The car is a joke. Yeah, but I think Mazepin his tire management skills are very questionable. Unlike someone as Checo Perez, who managed to get fifty three laps out of the medium, which will they set at probably like forty eight? What was it at max? Like 40, yeah, yeah, and that was amazing. Like uh, it, it was fifty. Yeah, it it was a sacrifice from Red Bull to give up his race, but on the other on the side now. I have to give him a round of applause for uh, his time management there that he could keep them working. Exactly. That was a that was amazing tire management, like unreal tire management, and it's it suits with Checo as everyone said he's got a right foot like a traction control computer. That's what people have said in the past. I think Andrew Green has said that uh, his old um, designer at Racing Point, um, but. He kind of reminded me of when Ferrari used to play Raikkonen as a pawn to get Seb a win. When they'd leave Raikkonen out to hold up the Mercedes and then Seb can pass him. That's what I saw Perez play that role of. And I kind of just don't want him to play that role because he deserves victories. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, 
Here's the, I can see why Red Bull did. Like, if you're not really in contention for a win, like, if you're 20 seconds behind the number three driver or so, then I can, at one point, understand the idea. But on the other night, it's indeed sad to see how they fall back and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I felt like, quite honestly, Checo's maximum that race was a P4 anyways. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough to say. I, I feel like if things went his way with strategy, he could have passed Bottas. Eh, quite honestly, I don't know. Bottas is having a good race, you know. He has the fast. He had the fastest lap. I felt like he was doing good in the beginning. He made more time in the beginning. You know, different things ruined uh, Perez's race, like Lando. Lando's over yeah. felt yeah. was. You know, yeah, you had a poor start, uh, Chico. Like yeah, you did. You fell back massively, but you, you, you came back in the end. And, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, looking back on the... Uh, like, I think Red Bull is known for using the, abusing the second driver in a way with sacrificing race, etc. Like, they pla- they would have done it with Pierre and Alex as well if they would actually be in contention for podiums, etc. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah, I think they even did it with uh, Mark Webber back in, when he was with the uh, SEP. Yeah, but back then they treated it more fair, as in who was winning gets to win, and Sebastian Vettel wasn't always game with that. Multi twenty one, for example, but Ooh, yeah, now yeah. Red, but um, but now Red Bull is turned into like Mercedes and Ferrari, where they use that second driver as a pawn if they can. I mean, if it's if it wins for them as a team, then I, then yes, I would obviously do it. But it's still yeah, every top team does it. Yeah, but personally, I rather see just F one without team orders in general. Like, but yeah, I don't think you'll ever get team orders out of the sport. Like, even though they they forbid it, I still think you can somehow teams find a way to get past it. And that's maybe Fernando is faster than you. Yeah, but I think it's part of the beauty of the sport that teams find clever solutions for simple problems. You know. Yeah. Who is your driver today? Driver of the day? Um, okay, I have to be honest. I voted for Mazepin just because all over the social media, etc. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and did you hear the rumors that apparently he did get driver of the day, but, you know, they didn't really put him as driver of the day because, you know, sketchy. Yeah, sketchy. It's, uh, it's odd, but... It's definitely fixed. It's definitely fixed. Yeah. I think it has to be fixed. I think yeah. look, it's not here. We're not here to like uh, call you all out and quote him for driver of the day next. But you know, it's <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's, <laughs> yeah, but it's weird. Let's face it. Yeah, like a big part of social media. Okay, it was on Instagram, TikTok. I think even Twitter at some points. They all got it, and they were like, you know, we're voting him. But so either the social media social media around F one is smaller than we all thought, or it's fixed. Yeah, too often. Who, yeah. Who knows? We'll ne- we'll never know. No, we'll yeah, realistically, we will. I mean, I've not... um, my driver day was fairly obvious. Lewis Hamilton just kind of once he got past Max and once he got past Bottas, uh, he was he was said by yeah, pretty much. But uh, yeah, but like, um, I would say either Lewis or uh, Checo as well. Like, you no know, solid yeah. performance from both drivers. Both drivers did what they were like, probably not exactly told to, but what they could Meant. do. Yeah, could do. Uh, yeah. Then we move on to uh, IndyCar. The we start off with um, some uh, incidents. For example, uh, was it Sebastian Boudet in the first race going off, uh, hit the high line, and just spun off just because of well, what was it again, Charlie? I think you're you're more. Um, okay, so IndyCar race one. Uh, both races were this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, race one was won by Scott Dixon, but the main incident run, as you mentioned, was um, that Sebastian Bourdais discovered PJ1 has no grip because Joseph Newgarden gave him a bump. Um, basically, Colton Herta checked up, slowed down, Bourdais slowed down as well. Newgarden didn't see, obviously his spotter didn't see. He came up behind him, his nose hit the rear of uh, Bordet's car, and that just completely spun him up into the wall. Kind of like a failed bump draft attempt, which would never work in an Indy car. <laughs> yeah, but what, yeah. what was the, the PJ1 for? It was for an, it was the sacrifice they made for NASCAR, which costed IndyCar eventually, technically, right? 
Yes. So, um, NASCAR, if you follow it, you would know that on tracks like Texas Motor Speedway and Phoenix, they put down this chemical called PJ1, which, when it warms up after tires have run on it, it provides the stock cars, which are nice and heavy, more grip. So, at Texas, it would provide a higher line because NASCARs can't run a higher line at Texas. But in indie cars with no PJ1, they can run the high line fairly easily. But because NASCAR put the PJ1 down last year, it's it stained the track. And Graham Rahal said after the race, he said Firestone told him that it provides 25% less grip to indie cars. And it feels like ice to drive on. Yeah, that's a lot of grip to lose. So. Yeah. If there was multiple incident instances over the weekend where drivers touched the PJ1 and they just went straight into the wall. James Hinchcliffe did it, and um, I think Will Power did it on the final restart of race two. So it's just it's a problem IndyCar Texas has, and I just I think NASCAR is it's an unforeseen consequence of NASCAR messing with tracks. I feel like uh, there should be like a solution here. Like, uh, for example, I think they should just move on to different tracks, right? Because of Texas is a good track, but you know, if if there's really going to be an effect on the racing that goes on there, I don't think they should race there, right? And um, uh, I think they should race at Texas, but I think it shouldn't be a double header. Two races at a track that doesn't have much passing is bad. Um, like, why would you do that? I know Roger, Roger Penske probably saw that show yesterday and thought, no, we're not doing this again. Um, so, yeah, I don't think they're going to have a double header at Texas for a long time now. Maybe they might repave it, which would get rid of the problem, but then again, they might just put more PJ1 down. Who knows? I think here's the problem. Like, um, it's a very wise thing to say. Like, you could, like oh, for one series, oh, we just uh, throw some PJ1 there, just like for one race. But I think that's the worst thing you can do as a track. Like, make a track for only capable of racing one type of spec. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. If you ruin a track just because you want to have one race there, then, then you're a bad uh, as a track organizer, you know? Yeah. I saw a tweet from IndyCar YouTuber David Land. He said. The point of a banking is to have two lanes and to make the cars go faster. So what's the point of having a banking if the cars can't run it? You may as well just have a flat oval, which I completely agree with. Yeah. What's the yeah. point of banking? Yeah, but uh, uh, personally, I um, hope to see that they repave the text mode speedway, even though it's going to cost them money. Running with PJ1 for IndyCar is not it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, even though... Um... I think it's just it's a it's a combination of NASCAR's just messing with tracks for years and it's finally caught up with another series and just of course NASCAR gets scot free from it but it's messed up IndyCar. I think PJ One yeah. could be you uh, could be utilized, but only if they have then IndyCar and NASCAR have to run on completely different schedules, which they obviously do. But like they they wouldn't they would then. Maybe throw PJ1 for one race of NASCAR there and then repave it for the rest of the season of IndyCar. But that's just like gonna be a lot of uh, money. You have new yeah. asphalt all the time, etc. Yeah. Honestly, I could talk for hours about how PJ1 is stupid and you shouldn't use it, but uh, it's probably best to talk about some of the things that did happen in IndyCar um, this weekend. In the first race, Scott Dixon led nearly every lap. Yeah, he, he yeah, set yeah. a record for like most laps, reps, laps around uh, Dex, right? It was kind of uh, like a month at that point where you can barely overtake. Yeah. It, it kind of was just, just like follow Scott Dixon. That's all you could do. Scott McLaughlin yeah. did get close though. Yeah. But what I, what I did see was some drivers did kind of go on it and they kind of like, I think like two drivers probably, twice, like something like that. They just went on it and they just struggled with the car to try to make an overtake, but just didn't. I think and I saw the only driver to go on it and pass someone was Pato Award. Other than that, everyone who touched it went off. Yeah. Yeah, then we have... You can see I saw a driver go on it and he was holding, holding, holding. But then it just took him to the wall. Yeah. 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 And then we have it in race two. First of all, the massive start incident there. <clears throat> that was yeah. Yeah. 
Fittipaldi just ran into the back of someone and that just caused havoc. I thought that was that was a rookie mistake on a rolling start. That was just yeah. stupid. Yeah, well, it was extreme. I wasn't. I was. I was more looking at the front instead of the back. So I don't know why I saw uh, Conor Daly on his roof. I was like, oh, what the hell happened there? He just decided to go on a roll there, yeah? and then you know. It yeah, was... it it was really weird because no one was looking. As you said, no one would be looking at the back, and it, that's where things happen. Like rolling restarts are dangerous, and you've seen that in F one. Yeah. Do not hear. We see, we see it in that. We see it in all. Yeah, ev- I think every race has like a rolling restart for like. It's not that you would let the cars go stand uh, on the grid back after a safety car. Quite yeah, safe. exactly. Was Grosjean racing in the oval race this uh, no, weekend? No, he doesn't uh, race. No, Fit Fit Paldi drives this car in the oval. Yeah. Oh, how come? Uh, he doesn't. Um, he doesn't want to. It's too dangerous. I mean, I same with um. Jimmy Johnson. Same with Jimmy Johnson as well. I can see. I can definitely see where they're coming from. Not gonna lie. I think. Oh, I think there's talks of um, Grosjean doing Iowa or not Iowa. What's a gateway? But gateways like it's gateways not a dangerous oval really. Yeah. Ah, I would like to see Grosjean doing the Indy 500. Yeah, yeah. same. But that's the mo- that's the most dangerous one. Yeah, Indy <laughs> 500 is always a crazy one. I'm looking so much forward to it. It's like uh, it's um, when it's end of the month, right? Like 20 29th of May. Mm-hmm. Yep, next race is the Indy GP, then you have practice, and then you have the Indy 500. Ah, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, we could we could technically make a special edition about it, we're not sure about that yet. Yeah. Uh, the people involved in that wreck was, um, I think I have it written down, Fittipaldi, Daly, Rossi, Ed Jones, Gallant, Dalton Keller, and Sebastian Bourdais, yeah. which is like six or seven drivers just gone at the start of the race. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it hasn't been the se- a season of um, uh, what do you call Rossi. him? Uh, Boudet, not and um, Russia also not. But Boudet crashed out in all three races. No way, all in three races already. Think. I, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. Yeah, I don't think he's crashed out. I don't. I don't think he's crashed out of all of them. I think he crashed out of three. Yeah, like he crashed out in uh, the opening in. Um, was it Alabama or something? Then both the two incidents in uh, Texas. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I, yeah. I think he. I think he crashed in Alabama, but he continued. I think he was involved in that wreck, but he continued on because oh, yeah. I remember him being yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. And then, um. Well, later on in this, so we're talking. So race one, Scott Dixon won. Race two, um, was more definitely more interesting than the first one. Drivers mm-hmm. seemed like they could, um pass more i remember on around lap 56 pat o'war tried to take it too wide in the one groove thing and that just did not work that's dangerous, uh, that's a dangerous one yeah that that was dangerous especially on a one groove track with pj1 yeah um I, I remember on around lap 116 jack harvey blew up lap 128 um award manages to pass in the pj1 or most tires in the PJ1, which was probably the greatest achievement of both weekends, because I didn't see a single person pass in the PJ1 except him. Oh, yeah, Pato. Yeah. <laughs> Lap 190, the other Arrow McLaren SP decided to just go out on track with three wheels. That was kind of funny. I mean, um, I'm loose up. No, it's a different level. It's a different level. There's no uh, room at I remember it just cut to the camera and the tire just fully bounced off the couch fencing and just landed on the track. Yeah, we did a caution there and then we just got to uh, restart. Uh, it was a good restart this time when uh, not too much chaos, apart from uh, a hard defending. Was it? Oh, someone was hard defending. It was Sato. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think they even gave him a penalty, ain't it? No, they didn't. Uh, um, it was it was 52 to go. Takuma Sato was leading with... He hadn't pitted yet, and he could not make it on field mileage. Um, in Newgarden got ahead of Pato, uh, who got ahead of Dixon and Rahal, and it was Newgarden versus Award for the win with 52 to go, and Sato was leading. Uh, eventually, Sato pitted, and it was just Newgarden versus um, Award. With 24 laps to go, Award took the lead then, as we all know, and got his first win in yeah. Inter. 
And uh, the nice thing to see is uh, how um, Zach Brown tries to get involved in all the things that's with McLaren. Like he, uh, what, what was the bet again? Like if he wins an IndyCar race for McLaren, then he would get a he test in the uh, McLaren F1 car in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, yeah I feel that. Like, um, sorry. Uh, you know, Zach Brown as a whole, as a character, cares about everything he does, even the tiniest things. I saw something around. He went to a like a go kart event for one of his new junior drivers. Like, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Imagine you're like the CEO of McLaren Racing coming to watch you as a junior. Oh, the pressure. He cares a lot. Yeah, but he, he like cares a lot about everything. He seems honestly. Like- Honestly, he's the best team boss in motorsports at yeah. the moment, if you right. think about it. Arrow McLaren SP is winning, United Autosports winning, and McLaren is getting turned into constructors at the moment. Yeah. yeah. And their driver's third in the, champ- in the driver's championship. Yeah. yeah. Great achievement if you look back at uh, the 2015, 2014 till 2018 uh, time for McLaren. Yeah. Then... He's really... Switched up with uh, Andrea Seidel, especially in McLaren, and uh, oh, yeah, you know, he's so, done some crazy. Work. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if Seidel was the best for McLaren uh, to uh, say it uh, in a bit of a neat way. How come? He just, I know, uh, like, I don't know if he was, but um, who, who was leading it? Like, I, I thought it was Seidel in like 2015 too. No, no, no. Seidel was um, Porsche, Porsche, Porsche's WEC developer. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind, never mind. And then, then, then he ended. They ended that, and the McLaren took t- took him for twenty nineteen. I think it was. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah. never mind. Where's it? Don't. don't uh, really switched it on. Talking about work here, right? Yeah. That six hour race, six hours of spa. Finally, that was, w- that was good. Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, uh, of course we had you know Toyota dominating out of three cars. Uh. <clears throat> uh I think uh, I think more teams should uh, actually join the hypercar. I don't know how to pronounce the name, but Glickenhaus. Yeah, Glickenhaus yeah. was supposed to join for a spa, but they couldn't get the car prepared. So I think they joined for Le Mans, if I'm right. What they yeah, for I don't Le Mans? think that, I I don't think they're going for Porsche. I think they're going for Le Mans. Yeah. Uh, well, I feel like personally, like I can't. You know, uh, DA Amaro won when they like the open wheel LMP1 car. That uh, Aston Martin had, yeah. Um, oh, I didn't. I didn't know it. But... They also had the phase where, like, they missed out on the uh, not missed out, but they had to develop more and more their car. So, I feel like I'm questioning how Glickenhaus is gonna do. I mean, I mean, Audi had to do that, and then they had that's and that's what killed the Audi program as well, actually. So. I think the worst, one of the worst things as a complete, as a developing team is being behind on your schedule. Like, if you're behind on what you're trying to do, then you have to rush developing. You can't really look into what it's gonna cost, etc. Like, I think being uh, having to rush into development is the worst thing you can have as a team. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, uh, yeah. well, who else? Was, like, uh, Porsche is gonna join, uh, if I'm correct. Okay, I think it's um. So Glickenhaus, Peugeot, and Toyota, and Alpine are all the hypercars, and they're going to be legit hypercars, and then Porsche and Audi are going to be LMDHs, ah, which yeah. are IMSA's version of... It's like a DPI that fits hypercar regs, basically. Oh, okay. No, I thought, I thought uh, Porsche would uh, join into Le Mans as well. Yeah, they are allowed to take, take part in Le Mans, but I don't... But I think it's only Le Mans. I don't think they're allowed to take part in WEC fully. Yeah, okay. I mean, uh, it's great to see such a... Uh, personally, as a massive Porsche fan, I'm not biased in any way. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's great to see such a team with uh, one of the biggest uh, histories in uh, WEC. It's great to see in the back, especially seeing them dominate uh, 2017, I think it was. Like, uh, when they won, Lam- they won Le Mans twice, even though 2016 was with Luck with Toyota and stuff. It's great to see in the back. Yeah. Then what did all... you think of the? What did you think of the LMP2 pace in practice and qualifying? They are qualified the Alpine actually, and LMP2 are qualified the hypercar. Yeah, uh, I feel like the Alpine. I don't think it's a fully developed hypercar. I think they have a bit to go. I think the Alpine is it's um it's it's an LMP1. That's what it is. It's Rebellion's LMP1 from last year. 
but what Unless, was, was the hypercar supposed to be faster than the LMP1 cars? I, uh, I'm not quite sure into that. No, it, it was never going to be faster. I think it's like 10 seconds slower as I'm in the Yeah, okay. But then, being how much is the LMP2 car slower? Like, isn't it like 15 to 20 seconds? Like, if you take it from last year. Yeah, so it's going to be like 5 seconds slower. I mean, five yeah, seconds. Uh, five seconds in endurance racing terms is not the most, if you think about it. I mean, if uh, there's only three hyper, if there's only three hyper cars, um, and if Dick and Hurst don't show up to Le Mans, it's going to stay three. So we might get an LMP2 overall winner if, like, they all crash out, like 2017, where LMP2 almost won it all. Yeah, that, I mean, at one point it would be nice, but not. But seeing uh, a car that's not supposed to be. The fast win every week. Yeah, that's not gonna help the image of uh, Lamar, I think. Not just in general. No, yeah. uh, Then we also had the NASCAR, Kyle Busch, victory, first victory in 2021. He won uh, both, uh, He won the truck series, I'm pretty sure, as well. Yeah, correct. Truck series. What a legend. <laughs> and on his birthday. Yeah, oh, yeah, happy birthday to him. Yeah, it's not that he's gonna see it, but you know, uh, happy birthday to him. Um, I'm, I'm personally, I was gutted seeing um Blaney somewhat getting taken out by um Kyle Lawson. Like, yep. I know it's neither of their fault to be honest, yeah, but you know, it's just a shame because I'm personally a Blaney fan. Yeah, that was um, that was rough, but yeah. also, what, what a save! <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, what, yeah, he's gonna lose it, and then I know I just full on went into well, uh, a full drift there. Like, yo, it's going to be another caution, but nope. Really awesome, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I think uh, yeah. there weren't much incidents, to be honest, in Esco. Like, uh, not in Talladega, for example, when Joey Logano flipped uh, last week, you know. Yeah, but that's Talladega, and this is Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> Talladega's a different level. Yeah. I think uh, I didn't get to watch the NASCAR race. I wasn't home. But I watched the highlights, and those cars seemed horrible to drive they seemed so aerosensitive i think it was like bubba wallace and alex bowman all both and denny hamlin all had incidents where their car just lost air on the front and just went straight into the wall yeah, they were just struggling with the dirt yeah even though nascar isn't a dirt yet prone like f1 for example yeah yeah it's uh it's different how are the i was supposed to ask you this before the Podcast actually, but you know, I'm just asking right now. How is the new gen uh, going to be in terms of downforce? Like, I don't think they slap much downforce on them. It's gonna be more. They're yeah. getting diffusers on them. Ah, okay, diffusers. Blown diffusers in NASCAR time, boys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's blown diffusers. But... <laughs> yeah, but I don't yeah. know how I don't know how bump drafting is gonna work with a diffuser. Well, isn't bump drafting like it's not illegal, but like really. You can only give like soft bumps, like you can't stick completely to the bumper like they used to. Can you not? Uh, no, in ex- in ex in Xfinity, you're not allowed to stick, but in trucks or in cup series, you're allowed to stick. Ah, okay. Uh, I'm never watching Xfinity ever again. Then. <laughs> nah. <laughs> we're, we're Xfinity here. is better than cup, and Xfinity is better racing than cup. We're not here to oh, win the yeah, series. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, honestly. I'm often not even the biggest fan of Cup to be, or like not Cup uh, from Truck to be honest. But you know, Cup was. Oh, yeah. Truck series is it's it can either be amazing or just chaos. <laughs> exactly, it can be wreckfest sometimes. What did you think of Haley Deegan actually doing decent roles? <laughs> ah, the <laughs> Haley Deegan. Yeah, I mean, I think. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not here to like uh, talk it down, but what did Haley Deegan do before going to truck? To be honest, like I have never, I never heard of her before. Ah, she I got, she got one K and then win. That's it. Yeah, yeah. but like, she, what? She's young. K and N is like K and N is like Formula Five, I think, in NASCAR. So. Oh god, I think. Like just like uh, Ryan Fargus in uh, Xfinity, I think they both went too early in. To be honest, like both in their series, like Ryan is not doing amazing. To be honest, in Xfinity, like he's not like uh, going for wins, etc. And Haley Deegan is struggling to finish sometimes. Like actually, yeah. I mean, the more I mean, I think part of it's due to like they have like no testing time and they have no practice or qualifying stuff. So. 
they've only they've only got the race to learn the cars, so that's got to play a factor into it. Yeah, I see what you mean, but well, that makes it really interesting. Yeah, yeah, but it makes it interesting for like cup series, but for junior drivers, it probably wrecks their head. It's only a disadvantage, to be honest. Like actually, yeah. Uh, well, I think that's the, all there is to talk about for this um, week. We uh, go on to the cooldown lap. Um, yes, this was described to be F1's accessibility from America and mainly IndyCar because you don't get much NASCAR drivers saying they want to be an F1. Wow. Um, <laughs> do you think you'll ever see a Joseph Newgarden, Alexander Rossi, or, uh, well, I know Rossi had his chance, but do you think Newgarden, Award, or Herta will ever get a chance in F1? I think uh, I heard Mario Andretti last week, like after the street race, say he wa- he would love to see an American IndyCar, uh, an American driver in general enter F1. It would be a complete blast in America. Like look at Mexico and Checo, for example. Uh, it would be an amazing blast for F1 as a European sport, getting more interest globally. But um, I think F1 and IndyCar is. A different thing like they're complete, they're complete, two different cars to drive no power steering different levels of downforce etc so even if you put them in an f1 car to like race competitively i think they uh they need uh, some time to get used to them you know if you yeah. see what i mean yes definitely but i think indy cars are similar to f2 cars because they're both ground effect cars and indy car has no power steering f2 doesn't have any power steering um but IndyCar gets less points for the super license because they're not they're not FIA sanctioned. Yeah, that no. that's the problem with um the accessibility from America to F one. They're like if you wanna access F one from America you have to realistically go for when you're like fourteen or something already go into karting in Europe. Like look at Danny Rick for example or Checo Press. They both went on a really young age to Europe to go out there and get a license up and running. Yeah, realistically, like, uh, you don't have to, I believe that in the karting world in general, you don't have to be in Europe, but you have to put yourself in a position where you can access, like, you know, international championships for karting. Yeah. And yeah. Not really hard. I think even the junior classes as, uh, for example, uh, American F4 or something, they aren't really looked like uh, no one. Firstly, I don't watch them. I don't know how about you, but like uh, at some point, I didn't even think American F4 existed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I always I mean, thought F2000, uh, Skip Barber, yeah, stuff like that. American F4 is like it's exists, but the field is like tiny. I think it's like eight cars or something like that. I don't know. Could be wrong, but yeah, it's supposed to be tiny. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the F4 in UAE. A smaller country has more drivers. <laughs> yeah, maybe they are more wealthier out there. I, I don't know. Um, maybe. Yeah, it's uh, it's tricky to get from uh, into F one from a American perspective. Yeah, unless you're in Europe, it's pretty hard. Yeah, I think uh, Patricia Award has uh already a nice chance to go test an F1 car and maybe get himself on the radar to a potential even uh to become a reverse driver or something reserve driver. Yeah. I think it, I think I think he's going to be Daniel Ricciardo's replacement when Ricciardo retires. It would be nice. When does Ricciardo retire? Does Ricciardo pull up? He, he is like a two or three year contract on McLaren. But I feel like he wants to pull a right in. I know, yeah, but if if he doesn't, I feel like McLaren would sign a ward. Yeah. I hope. How old is a ward? He's fairly young. Like somewhere 21. in the 21. 21, yeah. 21. Hey. Wow. Hey. So if Ricardo, if Ricardo retired in two years, he'd be 23, which is still. Okay, it's old for F1, but it's young. Yeah, you got the blood. Twenty-one, twenty-two. I think he. I think he turns twenty-two this year. How old yeah, is a uh, person like George Russell? Man like George Russell. Same age, I assume. George Russell's twenty-two. Yeah. Yeah. So if he'd entered the sport, he'd be the same age as Lando Norris, who I think will still be in the sport. George Russell. 
Yeah, he'll be driving against new generation. That's basically it. Yeah, yeah but what? But Nicholas Latifi. Okay, he's not the best example, but he's like twenty five or something. He's, <laughs> he's only in his second year. The goal yeah. of F one. I mean, we have uh, rumors about Nick De Vries joining Mercedes once. Uh, I like Williams or something. Even though I don't see it happening, I I rather see, uh, not rather, but I think it would be more logical to sign uh, someone from the F two series. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think De Vries is a great driver, even in Formula. He's proven that, and I really want to see him get a chance in F1. Me. I, I agree with I agree with Tal there. Yeah, he's, he's a great driver for sure, but De Vries is like twenty seven or something already. Twenty seven. Yeah, he's pretty old. He's no, he's not twenty seven, is he? Oh, yeah, he's, he's fairly old. Let me Google this. He look he, he looks young. Twenty six, man. I I, should, I thought he was twenty six. He looks at least twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Whoa! God, how tall is he? Oh, okay, now I see your point. <laughs> oh God, he's like one sixty-seven as well. So yeah, that's three effects driving. Yeah, I was just curious. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, you know, the freeze. Let's go, boys. <laughs> 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 um, but um, I think the Then, then I see your point now. But I think he still should get a shot in F one. I mean, F two champions should be allowed in. Yeah, I think personally, I see F one, F two as if if you're F two champion, then you automatically get um, bias for a seat. Um, yeah, you should you should definitely get a seat if you're F two champion or vice champion. Cough, cough, Callum Eilat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and you should really get one if you're like fifth. <clears throat> mm, you know, uh, you know, some Russian money. You just sprinkle a little <laughs> Russian sprinkles oh, yeah. on there. Uh, we, have, we have to end it uh, before we run into uh, too late. Before we run into a lawsuit. <laughs> we're gonna get sued by what's it called? We're gonna Dimitri. Get, yeah, we're gonna get Dimitri. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, was, if I if I put down thirty six million, do you think they'll let me drive? No. No. <laughs> you won a few local karting races. Oh yeah, I know. But, you know, no points in F1 versus no points in F1. It doesn't make Fair a difference. Yeah, maybe, maybe, some dam- maybe some damage. Let's hit. Let's think about this. I bring in, you know, less... Uh, I bring in more media. Let's think about that. Yeah, but the, the FIA license isn't allowed anymore, sadly. Uh, piss off. Anyways, that's it for today's uh, episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we are Charlie. We hope you enjoyed it. I definitely did. Right, feel free to um, do uh, messages again if you want to join in. Yeah, feel free to like Charlie. Not, you know, we're not taking any discipline right now. <laughs> uh, feel free to correct any mistakes. Perhaps uh, send us feedback. I don't know. Do whatever suits you. And um, yeah, have a great day. And uh, we hope to see you next week. Bye.